1: Hey friends, have you noticed that no matter how much yoga we do, we may still struggle in our intimate relationships? My husband and I have a great relationship, but we are not relationship coaches. And we know that yoga can and does help, but at a certain point, you need more relational support from a relationship specialist. If you're going through some kind of challenge right now in your relationships, my friend Jason Gaddis at the Relationship School can help. Jason's team will pair you up with a skilled relationship coach, and within 48 hours, you'll be getting private one-on-one support on whatever you're going through relationally. And right now, for my listeners only, Jason is offering half off one month of relationship coaching. Head over to RelationshipSchool.com slash Laura to get the deal and watch your relationships improve. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Wednesday Q&A. We have a special topic today. I am joined, as always, by my fearless, beautiful, amazing co-host, Kristen Williams. Hey, Laura. Hey, everybody. So looking forward to this one, because I know a
2: lot of people have questions.
1: Yes. So we are covering pelvic health today. And full disclaimer, we're both very knowledgeable, um, have lots of history, but we are not pelvic health specialists. So we might say this is something you need to go to a pelvic health specialist. And fortunately, there are uh, many in the field now. It's 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 a it's a rising demand, and it's definitely something that's been needed. Um, but there are a lot of things that relate to other areas of the body, so we're definitely um, equipped to answer those. So we ask on Instagram for questions, and boy, did I get a ton! <laughs> so many. There are some crossovers. Some of you asked to remain anonymous. Some of you wrote your name. So. I will mention some ma- names or maybe I'll just like say, hey, these are all questions and that way everybody's, not, not to be anonymous, but that way you know that your yours might be covered under a topic without your direct question. So the first one, which we definitely can address, uh, m- many of you ask about posture. So specifically, one person asked, how does prolonged sitting poor posture impact the pelvic floor muscles? And another one asked about, I have um, anterior tilt to the pelvis after three vaginal births and I'm at risk for prolapse. So there's, then there's some other ones about how does posture impact pelvic health? So there is quite a few of you who ask about posture. And this is where we can definitely answer because the pelvic bowl is the center of the body. It's the center, literally, it connects the lower limbs to the torso and upper limbs and it's super significant if you've done our teacher training or if you haven't and you're interested we go through this not ad nauseum but over and over again just to really hit home at how important the position of the pelvis is it's important because it impacts your joints it impacts your muscles how they're at rest how they're kind of prepared to fire so if you are imbalanced in the pelvis and and We don't know necessarily, was the pelvis imbalanced first? Was it tilting one way? Or were you locking your knees? Or was your head for it? It's all relationship. But we look at the bowl of the pelvis because that is that place that you can make a huge difference from because of its impact both below and above. So the position of your pelvis absolutely affects your pelvic floor muscles. And so prolonged sitting um, is part and parcel of that. One is that most of us are not sitting with excellent posture all the time. But when you're sitting on your pelvis, when you're sitting in this area, you're also probably very low tone. You're probably not giving a lot of support within the pelvis and to the spine. So first, the position of the pelvis. If we look at um, pelvic floor musculature, the pelvic, mu- the muscles inside of the pelvis have different layers. So we have the perineum, which is the most superficial. Then above that, we have the pelvic floor muscles, and then we have uh, pelvic wall muscles. And these all are supporting the the way the pelvis is stabilized and the way it moves. And then at its essence, the pelvic floor muscles' big job is to hold things in. So that's holding your the, the organs that are inside the pelvis. They're holding it up. Uh, they're holding in things from leaking um, and on the other hand, we also have to allow things out. We need to let you know gas out, um, you know, poop out, pee out. Uh, we need to let a baby out. So there, the the beautiful thing, but complicated thing about the pelvic floor muscles is they have to be adaptable to what is required. So when you're sitting, there's not a lot required. You know, you're not you're not necessarily trying to hold things in or hold or, or let things out. So most likely there's pressure down because you're not usually holding some amount of um, resting muscle tone to lift up. Unless you're squeezing, um, you know, unconsciously, and we'll get a little bit into that, tone versus like activation. And so um, that kind of downward pressure that it's really, I would think, more than anything, it's inactivity. If you're sitting on your glutes, you're not activating your glutes. So when you get up to move, they are... Most likely are not going to be inspired to fire quickly. Um, when you get up and down a lot during the day, you go to the ground, you get up. They're going to be. There's more of a readiness. There's more of that resting muscle tone, ready for a different change of position. But if you're sitting for prolonged periods, everything in that area is getting a little. I want to say mushy, but right? it's just like. So, if you are someone who has pelvic floor um, weakness. And that can be, you might not even know you have pelvic floor weakness. You you might not necessarily be leaking, you know, which is always kind of one obvious way is you're not holding things in, but you might have low back pain. And that could be related to your pelvic floor because guess what? One of the other big jobs of the pelvic floor besides holding things in and then releasing things out when they need to is it stabilizes the area between your lumbar spine and sacrum and pelvis. So it's very impact because of its connections. So if you're sitting, you're probably slouching into that area. You're compressing and the, the, the resting muscle length, the resting muscle tension will be impacted. How does that play out? Well, that plays out again. When you stand, can you actively activate your glutes? Can you actively activate your pelvic floor muscles to help get an upward lift against gravitational forces now with your feet on the ground? We just get this kind of um, a tip, dysfunctional neuromotor landing, and that plays out in your low back might hurt. You might feel like you've got to go to the bathroom all the time. There's all kinds of sequelae from that, which is mean a fallout. So posture is essential for better alignment of your bones, and then better alignment of the muscles and the tissues around those bones so that they can do their job when they need to, whether it's stabilizing your low back with movement what, or just with standing posture. We we need stability there so we don't hang into our pelvis. Anything you want to add on to that before I continue just like babbling on? Posture, no, posture, it, posture. It really matters. It it really does. And it's, it's interesting that this
2: is the first question because, Laura, I have had an aha moment Literally in the last couple of months, I've been noticing. So many of you guys know my youngest daughter does cheer, and um, I am a very excited. Like I mean, I'm a clapper, I'm a jumper, I'm. A, I get into it when they're going. I'm the mom that's like, yay! And this is the first year that I have noticed a weakness in my pelvic floor, where. I mean, I will have to activate my pelvic floor in order not to have some urine leak. And I'm like, what is going on? I'm a runner. I'm, you know me. I'm doing yoga all You're the time. Fit, I've got, yeah. I'm fit. I've got good posture. I have awareness. And I, it literally just in the last, maybe even a couple of weeks, I was like, what is going on? Because we've had two competitions in a row. And it hit me. I'm sitting now at a computer more than I ever have in my entire life and it is that you can't help it you can't help but get lazy in your posture you can't help but get lazy in your tone when I was working in a clinic up and around I would be working in a clinic or I would be working at the studio going to the studio walking around while I'm teaching practicing going for runs I never sat at a computer like I have over the last year and where there's only one place I'm seeing it and that is in my pelvic floor. It has just so I, I mean it has been so eye-opening to me what a difference just that readiness that we talk about. Yeah, yeah. You know, because if I think about it, I can abs- I'm fine, but I mean I about you know, I bought pee in my pants. So I, yeah. you know, like, yeah, like when all of a sudden I went to go like start jumping and I was like, Whoa. because it's been ever since I had my third kid, I knew if I went to the trampoline park, I would have issues. That's a major, you know, like that is from having children. That is from, uh, you know, just losing that tone um, by way of just natural aging and, and life. But this is different. Mm-hmm. And um, so this is the first time that I've been like, I need to go see a pelvic floor specialist, and it is because of sitting. It yes. is because of, there's no way for me to be good in my posture for pro because I get just like anybody else, I get distracted, I get into a project, and I'm like, I'm I don't have good posture, I don't have good, just tone there.
1: Yes. Yeah, so think um, about the people that are sitting at a desk seven, eight hours a day and then going and sitting on a couch. So what, yeah, what 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 it's what it's showing you is that what she's talking about is adaptability. It's like if you're moving up and down in a variety of ways, you adapt to the demands that are placed upon you. And that firing from brain to muscles and that understanding is there more automatically. Like you don't have to think, oh, I better hold everything together. And so posture you know, posture just standing not great, then sitting not great, then sitting for a long time because you don't, it's, you don't have to do a lot because you've got a ton of support underneath your, underneath your tush, under your legs. So you really don't have to, it kind of pulls you down. And so it really is, you know, when I've worked with people with pelvic health concerns, weakness being one of them, and then over, you know, overactivity, which is not can also be weakness right it's there sort of, a different thing um it like the first thing we addressed is posture and like how much are you moving and how much can you because you've got to encode this and then it's got to be there and be there and be there but if if you're sitting more it's going to be dulled right it's just natural like we're not we we are creatures that conserve energy naturally and so if your brain is like you're sitting and there's i mean blood going to your think about this the gluteus maximus is your biggest muscle of your body you're sitting on it the demands are nothing that means the blood flow there is not great that means the muscle activity and all the physiological stuff is not working in the same degree and that's like in terms of using glucose and all that and that's that extra glucose storage fat is 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 happening because you're not moving these big muscles Now, the pelvic floor muscles are much smaller, but they're significant, again, in helping to stabilize the pelvis, helping to stabilize the low back, and doing their job of keeping stuff in. So I think we can leave that question. I think everybody knows why posture matters, and we say it all the time. We can't say it enough. Moving matters, too. Yes. Move in a variety... Yes, because if you sit, it's just prolonged sitting is definitely going to have an impact on that. Yeah, I've seen it. So on the other end... um, can you explain the difference of tight high tone pelvic floor and strong pelvic floor? And then another and then another kind of offshoot of that is what are the options to do decrease tightness or tone? And someone else asked what do you do if you always feel some tension in the pelvic floor? Okay, so there are a lot of questions about this because it's like yeah. okay, some people feel that tension. Um what does it mean that a high tone versus strong? So it, when your tone is is kind of outside the parameters of being normal, so resting muscle tone, that means that there's a readiness to go, and it's going to be different. If I'm lying in bed, I don't have any readiness to go, right? I'm Especially if I know I'm going to be there for a while. And um, so if you are not are, – when the tone firing or, like, wiring is off – the messaging to these different areas is off. So you might be clenching your shoulders. You're not doing anything. You're not holding yourself up. You're not holding weight, but you're holding a resting muscle tone there that is not normal, meaning it's not uh, matching the demands that are placed on it. So clenching your shoulders up, that becomes a habit. Then it becomes like you have high tone there. That doesn't mean they're strong. It just means the the wiring there, there's a misfiring because it became a habit. Now that can happen in all different parts. You can clench in your kind of belly, you can clench inside your pelvic floor, you can clench. And there's a huge connection from the fascial lines between your jaw and your pelvic floor. So if you're somebody, the minute somebody starts telling me they have high tone or like they can't relax, I always look up at the jaw because you can practice bringing more awareness there that will have a downstream effect into the pelvic floor. So high tone means that there or or tense pelvic floor means there's a maladaptation of tone, meaning it's not meeting the demand. So you're holding or you're gripping. You might be one of those people that like when you stand, your glutes aren't working well. You go to move or squat and you squeeze your sit bones more. You squeeze your pelvic floor, which is not a very... Uh, functional way to give you support yes the pelvic floor does help stabilize the low back okay but when you get into bigger movement you're going to need a lot more than that it needs to do it in conjunction with these bigger muscles that are moving you so there's there's all kinds of uh kind of i uh, not researched yet but lots of um posits have been made like when your pelvis is tipped forward And your proximal hamstrings are kind of always like, what are you doing? Where are you going? Well, the proximal hamstrings attach to your sit bones. What else attaches to your sit bones are your pelvic floor muscles. They attach, you know, if you think of two kind of hammock-like slings from pubic bone to anus and sit bone to sit bone, and then there's other stuff in between going up to the sacrum and all that. If there is imbalance there, you might, you might, a lot of people grip because they're weak somewhere else. So the difference is if you have like tension, high tone, tension, how do you know it? You feel it. You can't, you have a hard time getting all the urine out. Sex doesn't feel good. Any, putting any anything inside, um, the vagina doesn't feel good. Getting into the pelvic floor feels restricted. Like, you know, you, we all know that memory of probably the first time we tried putting on a tampon. Like it was, you know, if you're a, a female, like, You're clenching because it's like super different, and then you have to learn how to ah, relax and let that open. Well, if you don't know how to relax, you're it's going to feel tense. So you have to learn a how to stabilize the bowl of the pelvis, get the muscles around it working better, and then no practice relaxation, practice breathing where you're sitting. If you're sitting. And you can just kind of imagine, this is the opposite for people who feel like they're going to leak, feeling like their sit bones are softening apart, this kind of relaxed state of the pelvic floor so it isn't in this clenched. Also check in, you know, stress level, all these things. How are you holding your shoulders? How are you holding your jaw? So that's a high tone, hypertonic, but that doesn't mean it's strong because there could be people who are hypertonic but also leak because it's not like the muscles are activating in a supportive way, they're kind of clenching from a nervous system perspective. So you really have to address it like, how do we get a more balanced resting muscle tone that then helps us activate appropriately to the demands and then relax appropriately to the man. Again, if I'm lying down, I don't need to like be clinching anywhere. I, I would want everything to relax. Um, yeah, a lot more to be said there. But anything you want to add? I don't want to be the no,
2: only one I just, chatting here. I would just echo a lot of what you said about you know tone, tone being much more I think subconscious. You know, like uh, and and tying it to 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 anxiety. So I mean, if you know that you are a person who carries stress in their body, and most of us do, because you might get headaches, you might get the you know the upper trap tension. Um, there's a chance and you know and I, I love that she pointed out just the difference you know with um, tampons and fear and things like that you know just I'm thinking about the the differences in my daughter you know one who's just more high strung the other one who's just more like what you know yeah. there was that was a dramatic difference in and I'm confident it was just it was fear tone related to that oh I don't want to do this. and the other one was like whoop
1: yeah (laughs) oh sure yeah yeah
2: no big (laughs) deal so you know uh, and that and that is going to change how you treat them and so that is where i would say this is a great time to there's a lot of good stuff on on online there are a lot of you can put look on instagram you can google you can go to youtube there are a lot of good drills that there's a great there are great pts out there giving away their information for free so utilize that and if you don't see a change if you're continuing to have, you know, painless sex, because sex should not be painful. Um, if you're continuing to have difficulty, you know, uh, urinating or, you know, completely releasing, then go see a pelvic floor specialist, because, you know, there are there are d- um, more advanced treatment modalities that are available to you um, to help both hyper
1: and hypotenicity. T- um, As you can tell from the podcast focused today, pelvic health is a hot topic, but it didn't always used to be. Many people might have had pelvic health issues, but didn't always know how to seek help or if they needed to with concerns like leaking when you jump, laugh, or cough, or not enjoying sex because of pain or discomfort, or overall worry about pelvic floor weakness and prolapse. While you should always seek professional advice for any prolonged concerns, You can also help your pelvic floor right at home by an amazing device called the Yarlap. This award-winning device tones the pelvic floor with six safe, easy preset programs to tone pelvic floor muscles. The Yarlap not only strengthens your pelvic floor, this new strength will gradually help reposition your visceral organs to reduce pressure on your bladder. Building this muscle tone not only helps with leaks and worries of prolapse, but also improves intimate well-being so sexual pleasure can be renewed. As a listener of this podcast, you can save on the Yarlap device by using code LIT35 at checkout for yourself or a loved one. LIT, L-Y-T, 35. So go to the link in our show notes and fortify your pelvic health. You deserve it. Yeah, and, and one thing, just circling back on this kind of if you feel, because there's a lot of questions about options to decrease tightness or tone, you you have to address the breath with it because, you know, the thoracic diaphragm and pelvic diaphragm work in conjunction. So this is getting back to posture again. If your posture is not in the best alignment, like you're rounded in the shoulders, oh, I know I have rounded shoulders, I can't really... You got to do something about it because your breath is compromised and therefore the... the um. how much you can breathe well, how much you can breathe in a way that would kind of activate your parasympathetic, which would be more of a relaxing, relaxing the whole from the tone perspective. But also breathing wise, your breathing will not be balanced. You know, it's like kind of asymmetrical. So it might be more in your chest. It might be more just in the belly, not getting into the fullness of the diaphragm, which you really can't access if you're not in a good alignment because you're going to be one end is going to be compressed and one end is going to be stretched. That imbalance can play out down again down the downstream um, in the in the pelvic floor. So you could be putting more pressure in there just by the way you're breathing. So one way is really learn to effectively breathe. Lie on your back, bend your knees, get your pelvis neutral, and then you know calm in your face and just bring your hands on the sides of your ribs because so many people aren't getting that. Lateral excursion of the diaphragm, it, its attachments there. So it really, when we are activating to open up the rib cage, the diaphragm actually gets a little stretched, and that stretch is actually really nice because then the pressure isn't going down. So practice breathing. Check in with a um, you know pelvic health specialist because then there could be a lot more. There could be internal work that you needs to do. It there's there's a lot of variabilities based on you know birthing, tra- any, any, anything that could be internal that has, even though you might be skipping around pretty happy, that kind of me- memory still is encoded in the nervous system of the pelvic floor. Look at your feet. The feet, again, they share fascial connections up into the pelvic floor as well. Okay, so um, someone asked, is pranayama part of lit? When speaking of leakage, Ashwina, um, mudra, or anal lock helps. So pranayama um, is part of lit, but we don't call it that per se. I think for one reason, what we want to do is teach functional breathing. And that isn't that doesn't mean you can't practice different types of breathing. You know, there's there's breathing with retention. There's breathing where you I, I'm not a fan of like the very fast breathing because I don't think that is great. I'd rather use your core to get heated. Um, that can really summon some high-tone uh, stress response because it's simulating that. But what we do in LID is we combine a functional way of using your core and the way you breathe to support everything in your core. Your, your pelvic floor is the bottom of your core, so it is part of your core container. So the anal lock that you're talking about, we don't really reference any of that either, um, and I'm sure that has a place sometimes for people who might feel like really weak down there because, you know, that's part of the pelvic floor is going into the anus and, you know, people can experience hemorrhoids and other kinds of uh, pressure-related issues that have, that might show that there's some kind of weakening in the pelvic floor. Um, But that's the main answer, I would say, to that. You have any? Yeah, no, I mean, I think for, and for people who don't, I mean, I think of it that that anal
2: you know, lock. I mean, it's like a it's like a Kegel. You know, like yeah. you wouldn't tell someone to 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 just do Kegels and to do Kegels all the time. Like, you know, there are um, there's a place for Kegels and there's a place when you don't need Kegels. So That is where, um, again, that cookie cutter approach to always doing X, Y, and Z um, can lead to troubles. And that's what has led to troubles with traditional yoga, traditional breathing, even diaphragmatic breathing for a while that was the big thing you know breathing your diaphragm breathing and it was just like, okay, that's really taking it's a very you know narrowed approach. so um you know, really again, breathing for the situation you're in uh you know, if you need a little more s- support, you're gonna have a little you know more of a breathing with retention if you need a little more you know core support um it, but there are those times when you need to breathe in and Maybe more of a diaphragmatic or that 360 degree breathing for relaxation for those high tone people. So, you know, um, yes, we we do use it, but not in, I think, the traditional manner because there don't is really separated. I think that's yeah. You we don't
1: sit and just practice breathing because breathing, why. if you right, it's like activating muscles. If you learn how to activate them appropriately for the demand. Then on the other realm of the, the tone spectrum, they're, they're going to relax more, right? So it's, that's part of it, too, is learning how to engage in yeah. many ways will actually help you on the other end. Engagement is not clenching. So that's where people who have high tone but weak you know, pelvic floor really need to know the difference between those two. All right. Speaking of that area, um, a couple of people asked, so one said, sometimes my anal region spasms for 30 minutes. Why? Now, I'm going to tag that on to another, well, four other people ask, how much does proximal hamstring affect pelvic floor? So I would say for the person who's experiencing spasms for 30 minutes, number one, that would be a great, like, go check somebody, like, go and work with somebody because that's something that that's pretty significant a spasming for 30 minutes. But what I would my gut instinct would be not seeing you not working with you is that you're trying to use your kind of clinch uh like for lack of a better like if you didn't want to let gas out you're kind of clinching down there and that's where you're really overly squeezing the sit bones as a way of trying to stabilize. And it's not that that's wrong, it's that it's too much, right? That we need all of the players around the pelvic bowl, under the pelvic bowl, coming up from the the hamstrings, the hamstring inserting that proximal hamstring uh, weakness, I think, could in part lead to this because your hamstrings are overly lengthened and they're not creating enough tone to support the pelvis against movement, like with your trunk, like forward folding or something. And so instinctively, your body wants more support and it might clench the sit bones toward each other because they're getting stretched in, you know, from, from knee to sit bone. I have seen that actually um, quite a few times with people who just, you know, in working with them and then the conversation progresses and it's like, oh, yes, well, sometimes I do feel like pain with sex or pain. So that was this indication, like, I don't know how to let go of that. Well, that letting go, again, our bodies, our brains are there primarily to protect us. You know, that's, that's like a huge, like we have other reasons, but the brain is there sending out messages for protection. Keep us safe. We'll, we want to know what's happening. So if we're feeling, if it's feeling some kind of, signaling some kind of not feeling safe, and I don't mean like major danger, I'm just talking little things. Like even, you know, we have receptors in all of our joints, our ligaments, our tissues, they're there for the very purpose of keeping us safe. Of giving us messages of where we are in space, when we're going too far, you know, when we're gonna like fall over a, a piece of gravel if cause our ankle is turned. They're there to keep us safe. So in that same vein, if they're feeling like this big bowl of the pelvis and all this trunk is moving forward and the hamstrings are overstretched, the proximal hamstring, you might clinch at your anus to give some kind of support. It's not very effective. And that could lead to this feeling of spasmy because these are tiny muscles. They're not, they're not made for that. They're not made to like take on your body weight as it moves forward in space. So I would say first really examine um, the person who asked this with the spasms. Go see a professional. Examine your posture. Examine your movement. How are you moving? Are you going into in ranges of motion, especially in the hamstrings? Are you kind of flopping over? because all of this could signal high tone. And we see this with people who are hypermobile. They feel tense. They feel like they need to stretch because their nervous system is telling them they're just trying to hold on because they just aren't getting enough input in. It's similar if you aren't kind of embodied in your movement and controlling your center of mass well.
2: Yeah, I would add, um, you know, whenever i hear about someone going into these kind of spasms these uh, almost uninstigated you know that what we would call insidious um meaning there's no natural seemingly you know cause that is definitely i agree with you laura i would go see somebody about that because that could also be like neurological you know like we, we would want to rule out any type of you know uh Caught a you know something that going on in your spinal cord region in i mean god forbid your brain but whenever i hear like those kind of a little bit bizarre it's just a tiny little red flag goes off check your posture that's what we hope it is you know we Mm -hmm. hope it's Mm -hmm. posture and and tone um but you know spasms can be neurogenic um in nature and so Especially something that kind of proximal, um, I I would try to get a bit like a a bigger workup on that. You know, maybe go tr- talk to your go if you're a female, go talk to your gynecologist. If you're a male, you know, go talk to a proctologist. Um, get their opinion. They may send you to a neurologist. You know, just to you know, even your GP might just get it and get an MRI. Um,
1: That's a good out. point, Kada Aquina. For those who don't know. It's like it means horse's tail. It's the end of the spinal cord coming, branching out to then go down into your leg. So it branches out right in the region of the pelvis. So uh, people with bladder or bowel issues, um, those are big signs of that. So a spasm, again, in in having that um, neurogenic background could be coming from there. And there could be different reasons why that is happening. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good point. You always want to, like, kind of, you know, if it's something, that's thirty that's a long time to spasm. That's a long time. Mm-hmm. That's a long time. Uh, that's yeah. A long time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So another person asked, you guys all asked, I mean, in all honesty, we got over 100 questions. So I'm really trying to bucket them in all kinds of groups we, for the sake of time. There's a lot of overlap. So I'm looking for some. But one one person did ask how to find neutral pelvis when constantly tight in other areas with poor posture and muscle tone. Um, that if you think about the bowl of the pelvis being kind of suspended and it's being pitched one way or another, you then have to go above and below as well as inside. But I would, I would bet that the inside part, the pelvic floor, the pelvic wall, all of that is influenced by these other things more than causing. It's just not, they're not big enough uh, to do that. Again, their big job is to hold things in. And they do help stabilize the lumbopelvic area. But go above and below. So you you have to probably bend your knees. Most people who are having trouble finding neutral pelvis, they are moving their knees back in space and their pelvis tips forward. So this is always like a big eye-opener for so many, but it's also really challenging because you've gotten very accustomed to. When you straighten up, your knees go back and your pelvis pitches forward. And then so that means that for however long you've been doing that the muscles around those areas have also adapted to that so the low back when your pelvis pitches forward your low back muscles get shortened and they are more compressed but they aren't going to fight you so much if you take out some of this the pull from below so bend the knees and it can take out some of that pull look at your rib cage if you can help your ribs back and keep a little bit of the bend in the knee I've seen the tightest of people be able to do that. They might not, they have pretty bent knees, by the way. And I'm not saying you're going to walk around like that, but it'll, you can start to encode it. You can do it on the ground. You can do it against a wall. We do all those kind of triple S. Do you want to add anything more to that? I see no, you nodding. No, I think that I, first of all,
2: taking tension off is numero uno, you know, um, and it's it's funny. I was doing a private this morning and somebody was in a down dog and I just said, soften your knees. And I, she bent her knees, but I was watching her shoulders and the change happened in her shoulders, which is where I was trying to get thinking, okay, just because she's got the tension. So, um, you know, use those little mechanisms to take tension off. And then there's going to be that brain map that um, once you're able to find that neutral, use your hands, you know, hands on. I always get my hands in front and back and I want to feel that that, your hands are on the front of your pelvis and the back of it, like like a waffle iron is what we call it in, in lit that waffle iron should be perpendicular to the floor basically and that's such a good cue as to where things are you know and then use some sort of feedback some sort of visual feedback a mirror use your zoom while you're taking a class you know that's where you can get really good rib feedback because people don't even realize that they're pitching forward or a lot of times when we correct them they'll overcorrect and go back so use as many little cues as you can to help yourself learn where it is. And then you can start to engage that without having to um, tap into some of those, I don't even want to call them cheaters because they're just, they're assists. Um, and and it's it's pretty beautiful to watch the body the body adjust and the body learn. Oh my gosh. Like it's just, it learns. And yeah.
1: And it's amazing when I've worked with people and felt it myself, when you get those like fine tuned adjustments, people who have that high tone, um, it, yeah, it's like your body knows. Oh, okay. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. So use, you know, use alignment, use breathing to help rebalance the tone. You know, that's just think again whether it's high or low we're just trying to get it in the spectrum of of normal of 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 responsive tone you know adaptable yeah. tone and again and don't that pass is judgment yeah. like be kind yeah. to yourself
2: know that you are not alone no. this is hard stuff you know we have been uh, as we age we just don't move as much so our body forgets really quickly so you know you if you you're watching Laura or myself practicing and be like, I'm never going to look like that. Well, we've been doing this for years and I still see, pick out little things. So, you know, be compassionate to your body.
1: Yes. OK, we are going to I had one a couple more um, really. Well, this was really lovely. This was um, someone in our community says, no question, but sex used to hurt. After doing lit for a while, the pain went and it was the only thing I'd been doing differently. It's all connected for sure. I think this is a great example when you pay attention to posture, breathing, getting the muscles balanced in the way that they're ready to fire. Right. So that it could that, uh, that I think that's that was that's like such a great testimony to Isn't. nothing else changed. But that and but it 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 really carries over into life. And that's what we're really trying to do. Um, Yay. Yay. And then, you know, again, so many great questions. They're all pretty similar to what we've done. But for the sake of time, we're going to launch a little bit into um, an area that some of you wrote about, which is, you know, what's your take on pelvic floor engagement training during pregnancy? Um, And this person also asked, how can you feel if your pelvic floor is too much engaged? So do you want to start with that one? Yeah. I've started off.
2: yeah, I mean, again, I'm not a pelvic uh, floor specialist, but I definitely think that when you are pregnant, your body is preparing to have a baby, you know? And so I would err on the side of, you know, doing a lot of pelvic floor, con- you know, tightening or toning is going against what your body is doing. You you know, we are we are producing hormones for a reason we are expanding in our in our pelvis for a reason so um worrying about the 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 tone to the point that you are fighting what's happening i wouldn't agree with doing now that's not to say that you should just go blah and be like whatever you know i would be more concerned about okay let's just look at the pelvis let's let's almost bring it back to posture and fight those types of changes that the baby's going to do. You know, that having that baby, you know, is going to naturally give. So, you know, what can you do in the upper body to counterbalance? What can you do in the pelvic tilt to counterbalance? But let the pelvic floor be because, you know, trust me, going through, I've had three children, my last one, no epidural, 10 pounds, um, that it needs to stretch. It yeah. needs to open, and I'm very blessed to be somebody who has babies fast. You know, my pelvic floor just was like, "Whoa, hello Ready. world, and boom, <laughs> we're out. I had, I mean, like literally two and a half hour labors. And, you know, I'm not crediting that because I didn't do anything, because I didn't even think about pelvic floor. Pelvic floor wasn't even a thing back then. But I would hate to have gotten in the way of just what I believe is really nature's way of preparing the pelvic floor. But again, I'm not a pelvic floor specialist. So and I didn't have any issues. That might be very different. If you are having issues, then I, I would go see somebody and and you know who can help you prepare for this
1: beautiful point in your life that's about to come. I and mean, Laura, what else do you know about that? I, I agree with you. And I would say everyone, and this should be part of our health care, everyone should see a pelvic health specialist when you're pregnant and then after afterwards for sure. But beforehand, yes, because say you are somebody that has been clinching and then you get pregnant and you might not even be aware that you're holding that kind of hypertonicity there. It is going to feel very strange to soften and let the per- the perineum, per- perineum soften and then open up for uh, the baby to come in the birth canal. And that can, you know, things are going to happen no matter what. How you prepare, but why not prepare uh, your body in every way? And I loved what you said. Prepare all around because there's changes above and below. And you know, then we're if you are somebody um who is, you know, the next question was if your pelvic floor is too engaged, this was along this this person also asked about the pregnancy. You know, I think that you. this is when you practice and you sit, like you sit on your sit bones and you can do this when you're pregnant, you can do this when you're not pregnant and you feel like you have a lot of tone and you can just feel again, as you breathe in, can you feel space between your sit bones? Can you feel that allowing that open? Do we always do that? No, because if we're doing like, you know, running and we're not gonna like be like in there because we, we need the opposite to be happening. But we need to be able to do that softening, uh, certainly for the health of the pelvic pelvic floor, certainly for birth. So practice like really breathing and purposely connecting your brain right to that area. So just imagine between the pubic bone, between the coccyx, between the two sit bones, just this kind of hammock-like area, just softening, opening. That kind of softening is how you relax it. And you can do that with your breath without any big movements. It's nice when you're on your sit bones because you can really almost feel them and imagine them like kind of melting away from each other a little bit. They have all kinds, you know, like to Kristen's point, you can look this up on YouTube. They have all kinds of like, imagine you're blooming a flower, whatever you want to, you know, whatever vision works for you. But the idea is you want to be able to relax that. That's going to help you, of course, with birth and then but you also need to know how to hold right like how to then pull everything together in a balanced way so there isn't that kind of clench I think you will know if it's too engaged if you feel like up the chain I'm oh I'm doing that in the video I'm like grabbing my fist and like feeling like tense so I will say I think people that are more prone to being anxious being tense are also more prone to having high tone pelvic floor because it's all related. Yeah. So relax your hands, relax your shoulders. When I say relax your shoulders, I don't mean just let them, but I mean don't, you know, don't hold them in that high tone position. And that, so look in other areas if you aren't sure, am I holding too much tone there? Because it's not just usually going to be there. It's going to be in your face. It's going to be maybe even the way you curl your toes. Like all of these are kind of this kind of contracted state which is a little bit of a high guard, high tone state. Um, but as we've mentioned before, please go see specialists. There's beautiful ones out there. We have one on our lit team, Ashley Newton. She's awesome. Um, but we have other, you know, once Alexia, Kyle in our family that have gone through our training who are pelvic health professionals. And this is what they do. So they do. That's what they do. Well, thank you for all your wonderful questions. I think our take home is that just like all the other muscles but maybe because they're not addressed as much like in a like gym setting or yoga setting or whatever setting um, we need balance we need yeah. balance we need balance in our posture because that's like how the muscles are draped how they're pre-wired to fire and then we need to uh, correlate that with our breathing with our overall nervous system and then recognize like like KB did like oops, sitting I've kind of let that kind of whoop get a little bit uh, snoozy <laughs> so you know <laughs> change change get off your butt move around it's so important absolutely well thank you guys so much you
2: can always send us these questions this time around we went searching and man did you guys did you guys answer but otherwise the, it's an open door you can um, reach us on instagram you can find laura at laura.hyman you can reach me at kbwilliams99 just send us a dm and we will get to those you can also reach us by uh, via email
1: at, at support at lityoga, yoga dot com. Uh, please write us. And if you're listening to this and you have follow-up questions or we didn't answer sufficiently, please ask us. We can, you know, we can always talk to, we have lots of people in our in our circle that we can also talk to. But any question is a great question. All right. So write us and know that, as always, we're pulling we're for you. We're pulling for you. Yeah,
2: yeah.